Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! Today is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, and the eighth Sunday in our worship series as One Having Authority, in which we're exploring how Jesus' ministry matched his preaching. This is authority, that his teachings of hope match the spreading of the miracles to those who need it most. This week, we're reading from Matthew 12, verses 1 to 14. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck grain, heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Humanity is Lord of the Sabbath. He left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Suppose one of you has only one sheep, and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored, as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I recognize the irony of preaching on a Sabbath text on a Sunday. This text is one, historically speaking, that we've used to justify work on our holy days and our rest days. Just look right here. It's in the Bible. Jesus said doing good works and what is necessary for survival is perfectly acceptable on the Sabbath. Now, I may not go so far as to say this sermon is necessary for survival, but it is good work. Therefore, it's permissible. No need to look closer or do any self-examination. No, no. We are good. The whole arc of the service, as it is every Sunday is to draw our hearts closer to the heart of God. Through text 
and song and poem and reading and prayer, a group of us collaborate for the benefit of the whole. This worship doesn't happen without work. A planner, a producer, a worship architect, a preacher, a tech team. Altogether, it takes 18 or so people to make our worship happen every Sunday. After 10 years, we have a well-oiled apparatus in place based on centuries of tradition and the work of those who came before us, modified as it is by our particular needs as a church. There is so much work that allows tonight to happen, and texts like this one from Matthew have set the cultural bar that gives us permission to do it. Church is necessary for us, right? For the salvation of our souls, or the good of the world, or, well, insert your favorite excuse or missional priority here. Whatever the reason we use, we've made the work necessary. We've made ourselves necessary. It's based on the words of Jesus, so it must be okay, right? We use scripture here to justify ourselves, just as the very religious people, the VRPs, were using scripture to justify their lack of work. Are we any holier than they were? Are they any holier than us? We are not so different, us and them. Same coin, different sides, 2,000 years apart. Times and culture change, but humanity isn't all that different. We are still the same striving people, wanting to be holy, wanting to be good, wanting to be right. Oh, how we want to be right. Again, I get the irony of saying all of this while I'm sitting here before you preaching, as if I'm genuinely going to make the case that we should all just go home early and forget the rest of tonight's worship. Through no fault of my own, just the circumstances that have made this particular sermon happen on this particular Sunday, I will be at rest while the rest of you here are in church. Perhaps I get some holiness points for recording this on Thursday morning, allowing me to truly take Sunday off. I mean, I'm going to be in L.A. on vacation when these words find you. Perhaps I can rest on my own sense of self-righteousness, knowing that I have, like the good American preacher that I am, have came to the system for my own benefit. Setting aside the snark for a moment, I like preaching. And while I love bringing you all these words in person, I really do like being done with it midweek and getting all that pre-preaching anxiety out of the way before anyone hears my words. I love that I can do the work early and then still show up on Sunday to sing and pray with the rest of y'all on Inside Out and not have all these last minute changes hanging over my head and the nervous jitter distracting me. I can be present. Beyond even that, I love that y'all have been so receptive to the words I've shared with you, that you hear the Spirit working through me, that you keep inviting me back. I like the validation that preaching often brings me. It's nice. I like the affirmation. I thrive on it. I like digging into scripture and finding some word of hope to bring back before you. 
I like wrestling with the text like Jesse wrestling with God until it gives me some blessing, some hope, some good news I can wring out of it. I'm good with words and finding the right way to put these words to paper to capture the themes of the text. I take scripture to God and ask, what the hell? And so far, without fail, I get some nugget of hope. And I like that sense of victory, of knowing I did good work. This work is good, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And I know how Steph thinks through and practices all the music for the week, how much time she spends to make it sound so effortlessly beautiful. And all of you that have ever led a communion or body prayer, you know the time it takes to put that together. That even when the words come, the getting there can be hard. There's so much of you that you pour into these acts of liturgy. Perhaps the majority of this work takes place before the service, but let me tell you, this getting up in front of people part is hard too, especially for those of us with any kind of social anxiety or stage fright. We who do this liturgy pray and hope and dream and push ever onward for the sake of all of us here. It is a true miracle, church, each and every week when these pieces all come together in 70 minutes in worship. This is good, yes, and it is work. We do not get the former without the latter. And let us not forget those of you who only showed up. This takes time and effort. Whether this is your first time in church in years, or you've been attending since before we moved into the Big Red Barn, you chose to spend some part of your evening with us. Mere presence itself is no small thing. Not for those of us who have left behind the heavy hand of religious persecution, who have known abuse at the hands of the church. For we, who are spiritual refugees, showing up to a church requires emotional and spiritual work. How much can we bring ourselves into this space? Who do we have to be while we are here? How much can we trust? Can we bring ourselves into this real relationship, no bullshit ever? We are not free of that work simply because we like the vibes here simply because we also find God here. No, no, no. This work of theological rehabilitation is fucking hard. Whether from the pulpit or in the chair, this work of deconstruction and maybe reconstruction takes energy and time and prayers, oh, so many prayers, to open your heart again when they have been so wounded by the churches of your past. That is bravery. And where there's bravery there's work being done. To find ways to live into the truest, most beautiful version of yourself, that is strength, and strength is work. To bring the version of you that has not always been welcome, to work out who you are when who you've been is covered in shame, that is beauty, and beauty is work. Are you with me now? Can you glimpse with me how much effort this project takes, one Sunday after another for as long as God turns the world. What then of the promised Sabbath? 
where can we find that in this late capitalist hellscape that demands work from us at every stage and then still have that good and necessary work of the church left after it all? What do we do when we've always been doing? Is there any rest at all for us? Is it possible to both sit in rest and work for the good of the world God still loves? I think you already know where this is going. The word of hope here is that yes, of course, Jesus isn't out here preaching the good news just for us to bend over backwards to use his words against ourselves. No, Jesus is out here doing the work in small acts, gently rolling his eyes at every person who says, but Jesus, the rules are... No, hold up there, bro. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Humanity is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Humanity. The most human of humans. The one who knows and gets it and says it's going to be okay. It's as if he is saying to us, take a deep breath. And for the love of God, stop thinking with your head for once. You are getting so up in your own thoughts about the boundaries you're building around yourself that you are not thinking about the why. You are trying to protect yourself from the wrath of God. And let me tell you, God is not interested in that punishment. Mercy, mercy, Jesus whispers. I have come to bring mercy. I know what it is to suffer, he says to us. I know how hard this work is, how never-ending it feels. You are not alone in this. It is okay to let go and release your need to get it right. You do not have to be perfect. You only have to love. Jesus has come to bring that word to the to those of us living into the letter of the law and forgetting the spirit of it. And I am telling you, the spirit of the law is your good and for the good of those around you. Do you need to eat? Then eat. Do you need to fast? Then fast. Do you need to do some healing work? Then heal. Do you need to take a nap? Then nap. Here at Galileo, we are constantly in the space of reimagining what worship can be. In the big red barn, we have a quiet room and a sensory library and, with God's blessing, air conditioning. We have permission to explore on our own terms what we need for our bodies, minds, and souls. And us, too, who worship from afar. We have the freedom to step away, to do what we need, to own our space, and invite God in as we're able. There have been many times where I made a meal while in worship, turning the act of making sustenance into liturgy. Or I have worshipped from the hospital, singing a hymn alongside all of you before I go to the bedside of the dying. Our worship need not be limited we do not need fences around our idea of what is holy. We humans are so bad with rules. 
the entire history of human psychology and theology and literature is littered with folks telling us that every person is different. And yet we build up our rules as if everyone is the same. This is not to say boundaries are bad, but the boundaries we set are boundaries for us. What one of us needs to thrive, another may find stifling to our spirit. What is work for me may not be work for you. What is rest for you may not be what is rest for me. Why are you sacrificing all that you have if what your soul needs is mercy? Do you need to go into the field to pick grain so that you may eat? Then go. Need you refrain so that you can contemplate the holy and escape from the unrelenting summer sun? Then refrain. Are you taking care of yourself? Do you have time and space and energy to do the work that needs doing? Then do it. When the opportunity comes to rest, you can seize it. And if you are well rested, if you have cared for yourself, then when the time comes to do good work, you can also seize that. Jesus is not out here asking us to give our all, to sacrifice everything. We do not have to burn out or die for him. But wait, Josh, you might say, there are times Jesus does ask us to give up all that we have. And I say to that, eh. Why do you do all this striving? Who is that for? Those times when he asks us to give all that we have, he is asking us to give up the illusions of stability that hold us back from loving others well. What he is doing here in this text is asking us to think through the rules we decide to follow and the why. He is asking us the same damn thing. Who is this for? What illusion of control is keeping us back from doing what is good? From loving who needs love? From being who we are? When we let our rules or our wealth and our need for control get in the way of our relationships, of the work that surrounds us, of the world that needs what we've got, then we've allowed ourselves to morph into the very VRPs we've escaped from. We've become more concerned with being right than doing right, with puffing ourselves up, of putting on our masks, of approaching Jesus with answers and not with hopes. Give me your hand, Jesus said, and let me heal it. Let you who are weary and heavy burdened come to me, and I will give you rest. Bring to me all that you are, and I will love that. Only set down your expectations, turn to your neighbor, and love them as you would yourself. Give them that grace too. So church, join us on a Sunday, worship on a Sunday, work on a Sunday, do what you must, but also love yourself on a Sunday, rest on a Sunday. Do also what your soul needs on Sunday, what you can as you're able. Do not be caught up in anything but loving others as they are, not as you wish them to be. Love yourself now as you are, not as you wish yourself to be. God desires mercy, 
not sacrifice. And mercy by far is the harder road. And this is at church right here. So do me a favor tonight. Show yourself a little mercy. Give yourself permission just to be. Take a deep breath. You're going to be just fine. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support our missional priorities, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.